Welcome back to The Federal Drive with Tom Temin here on Federal News Network. Recent and miraculously timed stock sales by members of Congress have dredged up long-standing ethical questions. What did they know that everyone else did not? There are rules about this sort of thing, and for a review, we turn to Project on Government Oversight Policy Analyst Dylan Hetler-Gaudet. Mr. Gaudet, good to have you on. Hey, Tom. Thank you for having me. Uh, glad to be here. Now, insider trading, as it were, or trading on knowledge like this is already outside of the rules for Congress already, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Members of Congress and basically anybody who holds some kind of public office or office with the government, they were always and always have been subject to insider trading laws. All right. So what do you think might have happened in these recent tradings? I think Richard Burr now has submitted to a Senate ethics inquiry, and he's one of two or three of them that have sold stock right before the crash. What might they have known that they should not have traded on? Or what do we really know about this at this point? Yeah, so what we know is, and in your lead-in, you called it miraculously timed, I believe, and that is a good way to put it because the uh, the timing around these transactions by multiple members of Congress was, was all too coincidental. For example, Senator Kelly Loeffler from Georgia, it appears as though she started to spell off some stocks on the very same day, January 24th, that she attended a private confidential briefing on the extent and severity of the coronavirus, and that was not information that the broader public had access to. Now, the difficulty here, whether it's Senator Burr, Senator Loeffler, or anyone in a situation like this, is it's really hard to prove a direct causal link between information gained in a confidential setting and some kind of a transaction that happened after that, even if the timing, like in this case, is really, really suspicious. For example, they could, I guess we need more data points, they could be selling or buying regularly at the same time on the same day every week as part of their strategy. Yeah, that could be a mitigating circumstance as well. But it does appear as though in the case of Senator Loeffler and Senator Burr that these particular transactions were not a part of a pattern that we're able to discern because of their previous reporting on their financial transactions. So for example, Senator Burr, he made 33 transactions and every single one of them was a sale, which is a bit of a red flag because usually there's some kind of a mix of, of purchases and sales that would happen. And in the same case with the other senator from Georgia, like 27 of her 29 transactions were sales. And one of the two purchases was in a company that just so happens to be heavily involved in the teleworking space, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, is is pretty relevant right now. And you've written a pretty detailed essay about this. And one thing I'm discerning from it is this seems to be a bipartisan problem here. That's true. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's not a thing that only concerns Republicans or Democrats. Uh, you see it happening over the years from people of both parties, and it happened in administrations of Democrats and Republicans. This is not a partisan issue. This is about conflicts of interest and public trust writ large. We're speaking with Dylan Hetler-Gaudet. He's policy analyst at the Project on Government Oversight. And I'd forgotten this, but you point out that besides existing insider trading laws, there's something called the Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act, Stock Act, that goes back to, I guess that was passed and enacted during the Obama administration. What does that do specifically beyond what the regular insider trading laws do? Yes. So the Stock Act, what that did is it basically reiterated the fact that members of Congress and federal government officials do, in fact, have to comply with insider trading laws. It was never the case that they had exempted themselves from those laws, but that was a common perception that had sprung up around this time for some reason. So one major thing the Stock Act does is it says, no, you know, explicitly, we have to reaffirm the fact that we all have to comply with insider trading laws. But what it also did is it 
made it a requirement for people who would be ordinarily covered under the requirement to disclose annual financial disclosure, they also have to submit what are called periodic transaction reports. Anytime they make a transaction of over $1,000 in securities, which is typically stocks and bonds and things like that, they have to disclose those transactions immediately. And that disclosure requirement is actually how we've learned about these recent transactions. So on one hand, you could say the Stock Act is working kind of in the way it was intended, although it didn't make those transactions not happen in the first place. Right. They did the deed and then reported it anyway. And where do these reports go? Are they publicly accessible in general? That's a good question. They are and they aren't. So they are required to be posted online on the websites of the House and the Senate in the Office of Government Ethics. The problem is, is that the portals that these reports are filed to are very unuser friendly, very counterintuitive, very clunky, and they don't reflect modern standards of like how websites are supposed to function. So it's actually pretty difficult to track these down. It should be a lot easier than it currently is. I guess you would expect to go there and click on a name and see transactions in the last 30 days, and but it doesn't quite work that simply, does it? That's right. You would expect to be able to do that. And it's not difficult to make a platform that would work that way. We see them all the time in other spaces, but um, for whatever reason, the people who manage these databases just don't seem to want to make it easy to access. And what about those in the executive branch? I mean, a lot of federal agencies in the course of proposing regulations or enforcement actions, whatever the case may be, also know things in advance that might give them an advantage in the stock market. What types, besides the insider trading laws, are there special laws that apply to them, like there is that uh, Stock Act for Congress? Yes. So actually, even though the Stock Act refers specifically to congressional knowledge, all of the Stock Act requirements do also apply to executive branch officials. So if you're the president, the vice president, if you're a Senate confirmed cabinet member, uh, you still have to submit these periodic transaction reports and you're still covered under all of the provisions of the Stock Act. And in looking at this, and I know POGO in general looks at this kind of thing all the time, do you think there is a requirement for further ethics rules or procedures or is there enough there on the books if only people would follow it? Well, ideally, we would have a world in which anybody who enters public service would be of sterling character and would never give in to the temptation to use insider information to enrich themselves. But we are dealing with human beings, and there there are human tendency towards uh, trying to gain advantages whenever you can. And what these recent kind of events show us is that the current matrix of insider trading laws and the Stock Act and other rules and regulations around conflicts of interest, they aren't sufficient to stop people from doing these things. So it's one thing to make someone disclose when they uh, have one of these transactions in the stock, but it's entirely another to make it so that they wouldn't do it in the first place or they can't do it in the first place. So one thing that I'm particularly keen on is having some kind of a blind trust requirement where basically if you are a covered individual in the context of the Stock Act. So if you're a member of Congress, if you're a congressional staffer, if you're someone in the executive branch, if you're a cabinet secretary, so on, you don't have a choice. But as soon as you take office, as soon as you start being on the public payroll, and as soon as taxpayers start paying your salary, you have to put all of your assets into a blind trust. And the blind trust is a good vehicle here because what it does is it allows you to own whatever kind of financial assets you want to own, whether it's stocks or bonds or mutual funds or anything like that. But they're in a trust that is managed by a person that you do not have the option of contacting. And that person, the trust manager, still has to manage those assets with an eye towards maximizing profits and maximizing returns, which means that your assets will still grow. You'll still be able to plan for your financial future. But you, as a person who has insider information, just won't be able to make any decisions about those assets. So you can't call up Sam and say, sell, sell, sell. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. 
Dylan Hitler-Gaudet is policy analyst at the Project on Government Oversight. Thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Happy to do it. We'll post this interview along with a link to his article at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Stay up to date on your agency's latest responses to coronavirus. Visit our special resources page at federalnewsnetwork.com. 56 past the hour, this is The Federal Drive with Tom Temin. For the latest updates, stay with federalnewsnetwork.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Up next, the top national headlines from CBS News and the Federal Newscast. I'm Tom Temin. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.